listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenologyclub. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Live from the Witch Trials. Hello, YouTube. It's me, Buttress. Here for another session of Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club. What's up? How are you all doing? Um, haven't really been on here too much. Apologies. Apologies to any uh, faithful listeners who are dying for content if you exist. I know you don't. I'm talking to no one. I'm, yeah, who cares? Who fucking cares? That's how I feel right now. It's like, dude. I haven't even been watching shit from, like, people who make media. Have you guys? I feel like a lot of them, I guess myself included, a lot of us uh, have almost kind of slowed our roles. I don't want to include myself in this group of people. But I feel like a lot of people have kind of slowed their roles, which seems counterintuitive if you're a content creator, especially on a thing like YouTube because, you know, everyone's at home in quarantine. But it's like... Dude, who the fuck gives a fuck about your dumb fucking thing right now? You know, we're in the middle of a goddamn global motherfucking pandemic. You think I give a fuck about what you think about what this fucking celebrity said about this fucking thing? Who fucking cares? Am I right? Not that I'm a celebrity. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like, oh, what am I going to come on here and talk about morality? Ew, morality. Who gives a fuck? (laughs) Maybe I'm just feeling nihilistic. You know, even though we all have, well, not all of us, but many of us have more time than usual these days, uh, or or it seems like we should. I feel like I have been having less time than usual uh, to do things like this, you know. I am just occupied all damn day long. For one, I am on a really intense exercise regimen, which you can actually join me on if you're interested. Join the Phenomenology Club Discord server, which I've linked in the uh, description honestly too even if you're not a member of the phenomenology club discord server whether you're on the patreon or not my google calendar for the club is public on our website www.phenomenology.club so if you want to even do follow along with some of our activities from home the ones that aren't centered in our discord you can go right ahead if you want to see what kind of things we've been doing and maybe follow you need some recommendations for which fucking thing to follow on youtube (laughs) we're doing like a yoga series we just started our second 30-day regimen because we just completed our first we completed a 30-day shred challenge with jillian michaels and just started one week shred which is fucking intense holy shit i am so exhausted from shredding we're only two days into it i am just shredded out 
Jesus. What about you guys? Have you been exercising? I've been exercising so much, which is also a thing I wanted to do, you know, in the midst of quitting Adderall. I don't even know how many weeks I've been off of it now. It must be going on a month or something. So good for me. Good job, bitch. You did it. I feel fine. I feel great, honestly. And I feel like I have a lot of energy. I mean, when I compare and contrast like my Adderall schedule to the schedule I've been maintaining, I almost feel like I have more energy now because before I would just burn myself out on amphetamines and then be exhausted, you know, and sometimes near the end of it, especially since I developed such a high tolerance for Adderall, I would take some, just go ham for a few hours and then just crash so fucking hard like in the middle of the fucking day you know so it's like what's the fucking point it became an impossible schedule to maintain so now i find that i have more consistent energy throughout the day i'll have periods where i feel a little tired uh but then i just sit down for five minutes like a normal fucking person and then get up again <laughs> wow who knew who knew that sitting down and resting had such effects such such noticeable effects um but yeah, the schedule, the schedule of exercising uh, is also so peppered, peppered by, <laughs> is that grammatically correct? I don't know what I'm trying to say right now. It's so, uh, there's also so much disinfecting, so much, so much washing my hands, washing the floor, spraying this doorknob, spraying that doorknob. I'm just going fucking insane, and that's part of why I thought that something that might be fun to talk about while I'm trying to think of topics to talk about would be uh, the one that I have set for tonight, for our evening. Obsessive compulsive disorder and prayer, two things that I've always felt to be disturbingly similar, and I un actually developed obsessive compulsive disorder as a result of prayer, and I'll tell you about that in a second, but before we get into it, just because I haven't really been present on social media or anything, you know. I just wanted to shoot the shit for a second. Because why not? I miss you guys. How are you doing? What kind of topics have you been thinking about? I posted on Twitter a little bit earlier, you know, just to say hi. Because I've been noticeably absent. Because I just, I just can't stomach that fucking platform. It's like, I log on. It's not like, you know, one of these things where people feel like they have to quit. That always, like, really turned me off about people. People who don't have enough self-control to just walk away from the fucking computer. Or, I don't know, delete the app on your phone if it's that serious. It's like, oh, I'm quitting Twitter. Oh, I'm quitting Facebook. Like, be a fucking adult. You have to quit this thing like it's a fucking drug? Jesus Christ. I just don't go on. I don't want to go on. But when I do log on, because I miss you people, those of you who I interact with on Twitter, I'm, I when I was on Twitter, I was pretty interactive. You know, uh, uh... I, yeah, when I go on, I'm just like, oh, God, it really, it pains me. Maybe it's bad for my mental health. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm somebody who just loves humanity so much. But when I go on there, I'm tempted to say, oh, oh, I hate these people. But I would never say that. I would never say that because I love these people. I love all people. <laughs> in an abstract way so i don't want to be exposed to anything that makes me feel repulsed by my human peers so twitter was a uh, quote-unquote kind of triggering for me in that way i'm like ugh. but um i don't know what kind of the hot, hot topics have been going on there but someone actually asked me uh they said they needed my take on the whole trump versus biden 
uh, situation. And I think that that's something people have been arguing about on social media, maybe a little, maybe like a week ago, because, you know, narratives change so quickly on social media. Someone asked me about that tonight. Um, and what I think is, well, oh, they said something interesting to me. They said that they that they've seen people say that the question of voting for Joe Biden over Trump, people are saying apparently that uh, it's a good parallel with the trolley experiment, something that I've talked about a few times at length on this channel, you know, the infamous trolley example uh, illustration. Oh, God, I just noticed that there's two little people in my thumbnail. I fucked up. God damn it. Fuck! That's okay. It kind of has an OCD quality. Um, yeah, someone asked me about that, about Joe Biden versus Trump and how they, uh, they've seen people say that it's kind of an analog to the trolley experiment. I thought that that was interesting. That's something I haven't heard before. And I have to say, I disagree. Uh, I think that the trolley experiment is something that presents two pretty clear outcomes you know i'm either going to pull the lever and kill one person and spare the lives of four or i'm going to do nothing and four people die and this one person whose life would remain uninterrupted had i not happened upon this unfortunate scene uh their lives will survive you know <laughs> their lives will survive jesus christ um, but I don't think that that's really uh, a good parallel for something like the whole question of who to vote for, Trump or Biden or nobody. That's really the question, right? Do I vote for Biden or do I vote for nobody? Because in a thing like elections, I mean, the hypothetical outcomes are so, so unknown for one. You know, you can't just say, oh, uh, if I, if I don't vote, uh, and Trump ends up winning because I abstained from voting for Biden, you're assuming, first of all, that Biden is the better candidate and that less people will die or suffer, you know, under a person like Biden. But I think a thing that really complicates the argument, too, is thinking about the timeline of things, you know, because what is the reason a lot of people think that we must vote for Biden? A lot of people seem to desire this return to normalcy, you know. But what is normalcy in the United States of America? Triple K motherfucking America. Normalcy in America is this slow death. This slow fucking, <laughs> slow fucking journey to nowhere where people are dying maybe at a slower rate i mean i don't know i don't i would be interested to see statistically you know who's dying more under trump at what speed you know if we're talking about a thing like death uh you know but i feel like normalcy in america is a thing that we should not return to so if you want my answer i'm almost more afraid of a return to normalcy than i am uh continuing under trump and that's not me saying don't vote or vote for trump <laughs> but i don't think the answer is very clear cut you know something that bothers me personally about a lot of political discussions whatever they may be is that people act like whatever is attainable in our immediate lifetime is uh the thing that we should always be pursuing you know and this bothers me like even talks about revolution and stuff you know 
all of these talks we have about it seem so short-sighted, you know? What is it that we really want? Do we want to have some dramatic revolution that maybe we could see in our lifetimes? Is that the thing that we want? And what follows revolutions, you know? A lot of people, I've been talking to more communists and stuff, and no shade to any of them, uh, because, you know, I think a lot of them are really great people with really good things in mind. But but talking about, like, things like... uh the revolution of the working class and stuff they cite examples from the last century of this or that revolution that happened this or that and it's like well think about any of these places now you know what is needed now another revolution within the same fucking century is this what we want to do this endless cyclical process of revolution and then you know we need another one in 50 years like what is it exactly that we want we need to start having long-term goals and i'm very focused on this idea thinking about long-term goals and how we could strategize towards these outcomes what kinds of things do we want for the world what kind of timelines are we looking at you know because our failure to consider timelines in general is is a thing that has caused us so much harm like look at things like climate change and shit you know i mean we don't we don't think far enough into the future this is our problem i think uh, as political thinkers in general. So when it comes to a question of Joe Biden versus Trump or something, this is something I'm really focused on too. Like, what are the long-term goals and hypothetical outcomes and what is the best way to strategize towards them? I know that, uh, what's his name, Zizek, he came under a lot of fire because I believe that he said, uh, <coughs> I believe that he said when Trump got elected that he th thought that ultimately it would be a good thing, you know, um, because people in America are finally going to start gr uh, moving towards an actual left, you know, because we don't really have a true left in America. America is so far right that, you know, even people on the left, so they say, are really also on the right, you know. I believe, I don't want to uh, misquote anyone. But, um, <laughs> but I believe that, uh, he said that, uh, Trump's election would be a good thing, you know, for this reason, that people are going to be forced to start moving towards actual leftist policies. And, um, I think that whether or not you agree with that take, it's worth considering, you know, I hate all of these conversations. Uh, this is like the mode of Twitter and part of why I can't fucking stand Twitter anymore. It, people will just respond with some like gift like, how could you say that? Or like, I don't know. Some like dumb thing like, wow, you're an idiot. Case closed. Like you're a Nazi because you because you are open to considering long term outcomes. You know, how many more people are going to die if you want to maintain some sort of normalcy where nothing is ever addressed or confronted head on? If we're talking about literal death of people, you know, there can definitely be arguments made that perhaps going through a really treacherous period might actually end up becoming somewhat of a good thing i mean and i think to think of uh analogs and uh illustrations for this kind of thing you can look at what's happening right now look at coronavirus you know we're all, all, thousands tens of thousands of people are dying 
we might see, uh, I mean, who knows how many more deaths we'll see before this whole thing is over. It's absolutely terrible, you know. But on the other hand, it's like, well, perhaps lives will end up becoming preserved uh, because of maybe some new policies that we'll have to adopt during this time period. Look at the kinds of failures that coronavirus is exposing about our health industries about you know our our whole system of labor and economics in general um uh, there could i'm not saying there will be because again the variables that influence this question are just ginormous there's so many of them it's not it's not known either way but when we're thinking about things like deaths you know even a thing like coronavirus may end up being a thing that actually works to preserve the lives of more and more people in the future in the future far beyond your lifetime not everything has to be applied to your immediate reality you know so when we're strategizing about future outcomes my brothers my sisters i think that this is very important to consider the long term what is it that you think the world really should be working towards and what is the best way to to reach this goal you know because i think a lot of what we talk about uh are things that it, we frame it in a way that's almost selfish you know i want to see the fruits of my labor or my suffering maybe you won't maybe that has to be your sacrifice maybe you won't get to see a revolution maybe the thing you should be doing is making sure that in the future people can have one revolution and that's it Instead of a new revolution every 50 fucking years for more and more people to die. Who's going to die more? It's impossible to say, you know. So that's why <laughs> I don't think the trolley experiment works here. Because really, if the trolley experiment was something that was a metaphor for, like, uh, Joe Biden versus Trump or something, I think that the number of people on each track would be unknown. Maybe there's, uh, on the Joe Biden track, there's one guy. And then 10 years, there's another guy, another guy, another guy. Maybe on the Trump track, there's like 20 guys right in front and then no guys far down the line. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm making any sense, but fuck it. Anyway, what other things, uh, before we get into OCD and prayer, <laughs> what other uh, things have you been thinking, talking about on social media? <laughs> Maybe I'll give, I'll give one more take if anyone's curious uh, before we go. Before we go into it, prayer and OCD, looking at the comments real quick. Ramona says, hi, Ramona. Ramona's our dungeon master, by the way. Uh, we play Phenomenology D&D. &D. <laughs> oh, but I'm not supposed to be advertising that because our party got so large that we've had to split into factions. <laughs> we had like 15 people at our last D&D &D meeting and it was pretty treacherous. But shout outs, Ramona, our dungeon master. Ramona said, it's kind of astonishing to me that people think voting and establishment dudes within the Overton window can translate to people dying or not as if the system isn't what's killing people. Absolutely, Ramona. And something I came under fire for in Phenomenology Club, I mean, we had a big discussion about this in there, was just this idea, too, that uh, uh, do, these, do these two opposing parties that we have in the United States of Triple K America 
really uh, differ from each other in any real way. I feel like all of the talking points where they deviate are really things that are supposed to keep us occupied and supposed to keep the everyman distracted from the fact that really on paper, these two parties aren't really different at all. They have different veneers, you know, they have different facades because both of their, of what they, you know, claim to be about has a branding potential, you know. It's, if you, you know, you have to sensationalize uh, everything, you know. And people have this idea too, and I think it's not totally wrong, but people have this idea that, okay, it doesn't matter. I know that Joe Biden is a fucking asshole, you know. Um, but if he's selling this to me, if he's selling me the idea that he's pro this, pro that, whatever, then he will still be beholden to it. So I don't even really care whether or not this is a, a facade and Joe Biden is secretly a racist woman hating pervert or whatever, a rapist, you know, I don't care. What I care about is that he delivers on what he sells me, whether or not he's really genuine about it. But I think that that's also a farce, you know, I think that what they're selling to you and what they also, you know, fulfill as far as what they sell to you. I think that too is such a superficial thing. Look at the kinds of things going on behind the scenes, you know. I think these politicians interface with a lot of what they uh, build their voting campaigns on in such superficial ways, you know. They don't really address the things that they say they're going to address. Maybe here or there they'll pay lip service, pass this bill or that, but you know, they're, 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 uh, they're really not that different from each other. Um, what you gonna do? Lizard Vision says, I wonder what Bethany looks like at while she's philosophizing. I look at all types of things. <laughs> I look at the wall. And I think about my own mortality. Jenny says, revolution should be permanent and we should constantly work towards building so of oh, socialism. This is where he differed from Stalin. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into that. I just kind of did already. But but yeah, uh, I don't think that there's really ever been an example of a successful revolution because if there was a successful revolution, we would not need future revolutions, or at least not at this magnitude, you know. As far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, a revolution will be successful when we don't need so many revolutions after the fact but of course you know these things work on their own timelines as well somebody uh someone in phenomenology club recently was talking to me about how we um moved away from feudalism to capitalism and how within this movement this transitive moment in history you know there were all types of mini movements that ultimately constituted this larger transition out of feudalism so you know i'm not i'm not stupid to this idea either you know that perhaps you know uh multiple revolutions will culminate in a larger one but uh either way um, you know, I just mean how I how I see a lot of these conversations go. Uh, I feel like when you think about long term outcomes, I rarely see anybody strategizing towards them. I rarely even see communists talk about things like uh, international solidarity, which is something confusing to me because it's like I've never really understood why any individual country having a revolution e uh, even would be like. <laughs> I don't know, enough, 
enough for for a thing like what we all say we want in the future you know um i'm not gonna go into that ramona people don't want to delay gratification beyond their own lifetime and violent revolution is easy short-term gratification i agree and this is something i'll talk about oh spady hi spady love you spady come into the club more bitch we miss you sorry you're not a bitch love you um yeah ramona this is something i want to talk about one day too because this is something that i've gotten into uh, a lot of arguments about when i i'm kind of critical of the 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 idea of violence as the ultimate uh, means to an end when it comes to politics and I hate that whenever I raise any sort of criticisms of violence people think I'm on some fucking love and peace shit like oh bro why do people gotta die bro the way I see it no matter what happens when we talk about things like political revolution there will be so many deaths you know you cannot avoid death whether you take a violent strategy or non-violent strategies there will be so much death and suffering if we want to move out of the mode that we're in to something better that's inevitable you know so i hate this idea that if you're if you're critical of violence that means that you're trying to do a thing like avoid death and suffering absolutely not i love death and suffering i eat death and suffering for breakfast bitch okay that's my shit do you know who i am love death and suffering but <laughs> i'm interested in strategy you know and violence is clearly a strategy but it can't uh, uh, it has to be highly strategic a lot of people talk about violence as if it's so it as if it's so effective i don't really think it's necessarily so effective for one this is a big point for me i think that it kind of excludes almost half of the population i mean what is the role of women in war historically i mean historically women are just sort of just sort of exist on the peripherals of war you know this is not something that we can uh join in as easily as our brothers you know and i i'm upset if you're gonna try to drag me into warfare with some big fucking brolic dude how the fuck you think i'm gonna handle that huh <laughs> uh but also yeah i think i think that if we do things like employ deeper more complex strategies too for one you'd be able to put more women to work and we constitute half of the world so what you guys don't care about our participation how am i supposed to feel you want me to bring you fucking gatorade on the battlefield like my name's fucking florence nightingale do i look like fucking florence nightingale no i'm not bringing you any fucking gatorade okay i'm gonna do what i have to do i don't want to just be some spoil of war hanging out on home Hanging out at home, tending to your wounds like a goddamn fucking nurse, and then I'm gonna die, and then you're gonna make me a saint, holding a Gatorade in the sculpture. Fuck you. Fuck you, bitch. Anyway. Um, let's talk about OCD and prayer. Wait, lizard vision. Do you think these ideas are worth dying for? What ideas? <laughs> There's so many ideas. I don't know which ones you're asking me about. Um, but sure. We, we have to die anyway. So, in the question of dying for ideas, period, uh, yeah. But there better be a good fucking reason, of course, you know. So, if your idea is just like, oh, uh, we're gonna have a revolution, even though we're gonna need another one in 50 years, like, fuck you, bitch, I'm not dying for your shit. You don't even have a fucking plan. You show me a good, solid plan, yes, I'll die. That sounds great. I'll die gloriously on the fucking battlefield. Anyway, let's talk about OCD and prayer, because I've been going on for a long-ass time, I'm sorry. 
but I haven't spoken to you guys, uh, so it feels good. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so obsessive compulsive disorder, who here suffers from this thing? Um, because in my anecdotal experience, I feel like so, so many people have OCD or at least describe themselves as having OCD. Um, and what OCD is, obsessive compulsive disorder, I've pulled up uh, the definition from the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, DSM-5. I don't know what the 5 is, do any of you know? I think that that must be like 5th edition. <laughs> cool. Um, oh, I thought I pulled it up, hold on. <clears throat> Obsessive compulsive disorder, just so I can read it to you. <coughs> Excuse me, damn, I'm sorry. Whew. Ramona, I have symptoms, but I've never had a diagnosis. Yeah, um, honestly, I, I think that if you feel like you have it, you probably do have it. <laughs> And there's also so many kinds of OCD. Um, God, I can't find the fucking dictionary or the OCD and the DSM definition. Oh, here we go. God, annoying. Ugh. Um, here we go. So I'll read it. Fifth is fifth edition, says Clark Kent. Thank you. Lex Sucks says, I'm diagnosed, but I believe everyone in some capacity has OCD tendencies. I agree, Lex, and I have a bit of a theory as to why I'll share with you in a second. Okay, I found it. Um, so, according to the DSM, uh, oh, interesting. This link, I'll post it in the chat real quick. This link has a table of the comparisons between the 4th and the 5th edition. That's really interesting of the DSM, so we can see how the definition has changed. Um, so, number one. I'm just curious right now. I'm going to read both. This is from the 4th edition, and then I'll read you the 5th edition. This is a, um, a description of OCD. It's in the class of anxiety disorders. Number one, recurrent and persistent thoughts, impulses, or images that are experienced at some time during the disturbance as intrusive and inappropriate and that cause marked anxiety or distress. And then this is DSM-5. I'm curious. It's a little shorter, so I think that they took some words out. Let's see. Recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are experienced at some time during the disturbance as intrusive, unwanted, and that in most individuals caused marked anxiety or distress. Oh, okay. So they took out in DSM-4, it says, as intrusive and inappropriate... <laughs> And DSM-5 uh, took out inappropriate and changed it with unwanted. That's interesting. I wonder what motivated this decision. Now, this this is in uh, DSM-4, and they dropped it entirely for DSM-5. Are you ready? Sorry, I'm, like, taking you on my little research uh, wormhole right now. I I've never seen something like this. You know, a side-by-side -side comparison of the 4th and 5th editions. Where they're, seeing, they're showing us what changed. If anyone wants to look it up real quick, I wonder how many years transpired between these two editions. So this was dropped entirely from the definition, but used to be in it. Or the description, rather, sorry. 
The thoughts, impulses, or images are not simply excessive worries about real-life problems. Ooh, they dropped that. Wow, that's very interesting. I could keep reading. I'm not going to keep reading. But that's really interesting that they dropped that because I think that speaks a little bit to something that uh, Lex just said. When Lex said that uh, you believe that and you said that you were diagnosed also, but you said that you feel as if uh, everybody has OCD to some capacity. And, I mean, obviously, this is anecdotal. None of us can prove a thing like this. But I feel similarly, Lex, that I feel like many people have uh, something that resembles OCD, you know. And some of us get uh experience it more severely than others you know and i think that the reason this is so um has much to do with external variables and also the system of language that a lot of us uh are trapped in rather all of us are trapped in it because language is a prison don't you know that by now but um I'll tell you a little bit about my experience. I was raised in a very Christian household. In, um, and from an early age, you know, I was told that uh, if you do this, you're going to go to hell. You're going to suffer forever. You know, uh, don't do this. Don't do that. And also, God knows what you're thinking. He's in your head. Uh, one of the things. One of the, uh, mm, I don't know what, how to call it. One of the versions of OCD. I don't know if that's, if it's a version of it, the kinds. There's different types of OCD. But one of them is called mental contamination. And I was reading about it a little bit before I came in here. I feel like that is totally what I had. This idea that, you know, a thought itself can contaminate your mind. And so it's not physical. It's this thing that has no real form. But if you have the thought, you are tainted, you know. And I think it's easy to see why I came into this mode of thinking of, within this institution of Christianity that I was raised in, you know, I would have an idea, an intrusive thought, you know, maybe uh, a naked person. <laughs> I was young, okay? And I would be like, oh my God, I'm going to hell. And so I would have to repent, you know, in my head uh, because that's where I had been contaminated. So I started to do things like... um if I had an intrusive thought or sometimes it would be like, fuck you, God, like I would just have the thought because I would be so afraid of having the thought. And even I was just thinking about what if I said, fuck you, God, that I felt like I said, fuck you, God, and maybe I meant it. So in my head, I started to be like, I'm so sorry, God, 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 literally like all day long, you know, like I was just going nonstop. And eventually this kind of thinking began to like external. My dad was also a firefighter, uh, so I somehow also incorporated this fear of house fires into my OCD. Um, and I also kind of mixed and matched it with the religious thinking so that I felt like God would set the house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> some dumb shit but I would like go around and plug and unplug everything you know like 
plug it in, unplug it, unplug it in, unplug it, flip the lights on and off, you know, and I didn't really have a set number. I know a lot of people who, uh, who deal with OCD have things like specific numbers. It's got to be seven. It's got to be five. It's got to be this. My thing was just, I would just do it until I felt satisfied. And if something messed up my satisfaction, it, even like, you know, a few seconds after when I had already moved on to the next wall outlet or whatever, you know, I would have to go back and repeat the whole thing. So literally just going around my room, plugging, unplugging, plugging, unplugging, fan on and off, on and off, on and off. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. God, it was fucking exhausting. This is why coronavirus is giving me flashbacks. Um, but it's also kind of ironic because if anything, I'm, I'm shocked that I didn't start a house fire just from fucking with the wall outlet so fucking much. Like, thank God, but not really God. Fuck you, God, because it's your fault. Uh, so I'm someone that I that and I was never diagnosed either because growing up in such a religious household my parents really didn't believe in things like mental illness they thought that not to shout out my parents sorry guys they're way more chill now they've since uh cut it out with the Jesus shit but um but what was I just saying oh yeah I, I wasn't like offered any therapy or something in my environment therapy wasn't really a thing people got and actually, I did see a therapist once when I was a teenager because things got really bad, not with OCD, but other stuff. And you know what this bitch said to me? You know what the Christian therapist my Christian parents brought me to said to me? This bitch said I had a demon. <laughs> she was a clinical psychologist. She had her degrees and shit. She said I had a demon. Isn't that insane? This is part of why, I mean, it's no secret to anyone who's listened to this before. Because uh, I talk about it a bunch. I am incredibly skeptical of the institutions of psychology and psychiatry, period. I think that there's a lot of good stuff in there. But the language of uh, these sciences, quote unquote, I don't even know if they really, well, they're sciences. I'll give them that. Soft sciences or whatever. I, I'm so skeptical of them. A, a certified psychologist told me I had a fucking demon. They can get away with that kind of shit. You know, of course, it was a rare experience with this Christian lady. But if that's happening, you know, of course, all types of idiots are going around diagnosing this person with this and that and this and that. And then a thing like OCD, too, you know, it's like um, <laughs> Ramona said OCD symptoms are just the devil. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people struggle with um, OCD. Uh, I think all of us, since we all come out of these same conditions of a thing like language, or we all, all of our OCD, I think really kind of manifests from language and from ideas themselves. I mean, isn't that an interesting idea? Do you think that people would develop obsessive compulsive disorder at least to the degree that we see it manifest in a lot of different uh degrees even like you know even milder cases versus more severe cases do you think if people were alone on some island without some sort of without any language or ideas that are created with language do you think that they could develop a thing like OCD it's interesting wondering because I'm sure that something that resembles uh, OCD could emerge you know because a lot of it has to do with just repetitive motions and feelings that are really hard to articulate period you know and I was looking it up also uh there have been structural differences in uh brain MRIs revealed uh 
in OCD patients versus people who don't have OCD. But we also know, you know, the brain is incredibly plastic, so it's also possible, who knows, this is part of why I am so skeptical of psychology and psychiatry, because it's kind of founded on the notion, or at least it, the, the language establishes the idea that, you know, people have some sort of illness that is structural, physiologically structural, and... Uh, you cannot be helped, you know. Even when you look up OCD, it says that it's incurable, you know. But is it even proper to always classify it as a disorder period? I mean, all of these problems emerge from language. If it's a thing that perhaps all people deal with to varying degrees, then when does it cross over into disorder territory, you know? I think it's classified as a disorder when it causes enough distress. And the DSM seems to confirm this, you know. So I think, of course, it's it's worth treating and stuff. People have it to a varying degrees. Someone in here just said that they have it to that that they have it really bad. I'm sorry for you. I hope that uh, you you find some relief. Um, but yeah, it's interesting thinking about this. Like, what? How? How does such a thing manifest? Um, someone asked me to talk about prayer once on here, and. This was kind of the first thing I really started to think about how prayer is really such an interesting phenomena, cultural, socio-cultural phenomena. This idea that you have some sort of spiritual radio frequency transmission system in your fucking brain that can directly... <laughs> directly speak to and receive transmissions from God, you know? I'm so curious, like, where did prayer begin? Who's the first person that really, like, suggested this idea, you know? God can hear you. I think that this is where it came from, you know, because uh, we all know that religion is many things, but one of the things it is is a tool of control. So people who are trying to make people uh obey the fucking rules of Jebus and the church of course you're gonna tell them god knows what you're doing even when i can't see you god can see you god sees it all so stop masturbating you filthy fucking sinner um i think that it probably emerged from this reality you know telling people that god was in your fucking head and he can hear what you're thinking because it stands to reason, okay, if God can hear what I'm thinking, then I'm going to be like, hey, God, what's up? <laughs> Dear God, today I shredded with Jillian Michaels for one hour and I did yoga with Adrian for 51 minutes. How was your day, God? Uh, thanks. Um, but clearly we all know that language, not language, prayer, we all know that prayer, I mean, most of us know that it's kind of an absurd idea that if I just address something to God, then that will somehow be sent to him. I mean, I'm trying to remember when I was a Christian, like how I mentally approached this. I don't think I really asked questions because you don't ask questions in the church, you know, it's like, did I sit and think to myself, like, is God sitting here and thinking to, or sitting and listening to me just like thinking about random shit when I'm taking a shit? How does he know that I'm talking to him right now? You know, does, is there a little buzzer up in heaven? Like, 
oh, Bethany's talking to you. Like, or you got to start it with, dear God. Or you got to fold your fucking hands and close your eyes, whatever. It's really interesting. And I think that it's no... I think, I don't know if anyone else has a similar experience, but I think that religion is a thing that really can easily cause OCD in individuals. I'm not Catholic, but whenever I go to Catholic Mass, I leave fucking exhausted. I don't know how you people have done that your whole lives. People who grew up in the Catholic Church, it is the most OCD thing ever. It's like, it like triggers my OCD. It's like, stand up, sit down, say a song, sit down, kneel, stand up, say a song, sit down. And what about like the Hail Marys and shit? They're like, say seven Say it seven times, do this three times, bow four times, spray the holy water three times, stand up, sit down, fold your hands, pray, stand up, sing. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. And on top of that, this guy's in my fucking head and knows what I'm thinking. Holy shit, no wonder we all have OCD. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, For myself, since I wasn't able to get therapy... I actually found some relief when I eventually became so exhausted and fed up and was kind. I think I had to accept the worst hypothetical outcome. If this gives anyone relief, uh, for me, I got, I didn't get over my OCD. I still have it and I have it now more with like germs and I still have it with fires, which is so annoying because all of my behaviors that I do sometimes to try to avoid fires, like constantly, I do it much less. I don't go around the room plugging and unplugging, but like if I leave the house for more than like two hours, everything has to be unplugged. Maybe not everything. My computer stays plugged in, but you know, I'll unplug the coffee, the microwave, the this and that. If anything, I'm increasing the risk of a uh, house fire by constantly fucking with the wall outlets. I know this, but I can't fucking stop. I can't stop. Have to turn things on and off, switch the dial up and down. God, it's so exhausting. But I found relief, some relief from my OCD when I eventually just accepted the worst hypothetical. And that's something that I've kind of been experiencing recently as I've also been experiencing fatigue from this fucking disinfecting lifestyle. The constant disinfecting. Like, I, I'm coming to the point where I'm like, you know what? If the difference between me and me not getting it is I have to just scrub the floor every time I walk on it. Uh, because, you know, maybe a fucking germ came in on this shoe or something. It's like, I, I can't even know the variables at this point that will or will not give me this thing. I'm just becoming exhausted and accepting, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I have to do. But this is just killing me at this point, you know. I'm gonna, I don't think that I really have as much control as my OCD tendencies suggest to me I have. Like, if I scrub and do this this time, then I won't get it. Like, who fucking knows? If it's this hard to catch, or this easy to catch, rather. If the difference is from, you know, oh, maybe I'll, I'll get the particle if I swipe it right here or something. If it's that hard to catch or that easy to to get it then I don't feel like I really have half as much control as maybe I've led myself to believe so I'm kind of just throwing my hands up in the air at this point and getting a little lazy with my uh, disinfecting processes and that's not to say like fuck it and or to tell any of you to become lax but if you're driving yourself to the point of exhaustion and mental fatigue which I have definitely done a little bit in the past few weeks I say that you know you probably don't have as much control as you think you have. So give it up. That's kind of what happened to me with this whole prayer 
thing too like I was just like holy shit if God really is this much of an asshole that I will go to hell if I accidentally visualize a man naked and don't say I'm sorry God 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 for two hours on a fucking loop until it's perfect for no inexplicable reason it just feels good then fuck this shit man I'll just go to hell because I can't manage this <laughs> that's kind of how I came to feel I became so exhausted and it got really bad too I had this thing where I thought that you know I learned that the middle finger was bad as we all do at a certain point and I thought that if my middle finger ever pointed upward that I was flipping off God and so I started to uh cramp my hands in a way where I was getting such bad hand, hand cramps I was eating like in a way where I would p turn my middle finger inward and squeeze so hard because I was so afraid that I would flip off God <laughs> doesn't make any fucking sense that, you know, I would go to hell or I would have to do a, a ritual for like an hour, which I really didn't want to do. So, yeah, I was getting in, insane hand cramps. My fucking hands were getting fucked up because I didn't want to flip off God. Once I also had this thought that God told me to break my guitar because I took guitar lessons briefly as a child, you know, so I could be in worship band. And God told me, no, he told me to drop the guitar. I felt like he said that when I was holding it. And I was like, fuck. And I did it. And it broke. This guitar that my parents got me, which was hard enough for that to happen, you know, so that uh, I could learn guitar. And God told me to drop it. And it broke. And I was like, fuck this. God is such a fucking dick. I don't give a fuck. I exhausted myself. And OCD is an anxiety disorder, and this is kind of how I deal with anxiety in general, if it can help anybody, I don't know. I've just accepted at a certain point that, like, dude, if it happens, it happens. The things I get anxiety about, about now are, like, maybe I'm going to have a seizure when I'm dry, driving and, like, go off the road. Or maybe I'm going to shit myself for no fucking reason in front of this group of people. Or, you know, maybe I'm just going to do something incredibly inappropriate that I don't want to do in front of this person I'm trying to impress. At this point, I'm just like, yeah, maybe I do. <laughs> then what? Then nothing. Do I die? Maybe. And then if I die, then I'll be dead. Fuck it. <laughs> You have to just work your part to the to the point of exhaustion. But, uh, sorry, I've been going on for a, a while. I feel like I'm kind of rusty at talking about it. You know, I've done almost 50 of these by now. So, sorry I haven't been doing it as frequently. But if any of you are interested, there's almost 50 of these online now since November. Which is kind of a lot. So... Please feel free to go back and peruse the catalog. They're also on Spotify. But the thing that I think is most interesting coming from this, from uh, trying to come at this from a philosophical perspective, this is where my mind goes a lot. This idea about how language is the platform for both of these things that have such powerful effects on our experience. You know, how do we interact with a thing like prayer? A thing that for myself... Just the idea that God could hear my fucking thoughts and I could talk to God. This thing became so traumatizing that I developed severe OCD, you know, just the idea that God was in my head. And how does a thing like OCD manifest similarly? A lot of people have OCD with things like I, I was describing to you with language, you know, I have to, if I have this thought, 
a thought that is usually manifest through language. I have to cleanse myself of these thoughts or even the idea that, you know, there's germs everywhere. This too is a symptom of our understanding that is established with language. If you had no concept of things like germs and how they work, you know, you would not develop these kinds of ideas about this. Oh, if I scrub here or do this seven times or this or that seven times, I'll feel satisfied, you know. It's so interesting and something I harp on all the fucking time in here that I think people think is arbitrary, but really it's not my human peers. So please, please listen. The more you think about language as a system and how it's it's the structure of language itself influences literally everything about you i mean you have no personality without language isn't that crazy you've never really had an idea that you could articulate back to yourself without language isn't that crazy we take it so for granted but the more you investigate it it's like dude this is fucking insane how much language guides everything about our lives on an individual level and also you know in our political spheres science we were talking just a moment ago about the science of language itself look at these comparisons between the dsm-4 and the dsm-5 you know they omitted some sentence that might seem completely arbitrary to us but it's important you know the language of these things is so important because language rules everything Language rules everything around me. And to think about the structure of language itself, I think this is the thing that really is trippy too and that we take for granted so much, you know. Um, but just just the way it's structured, the apple is red. <laughs> the classic example of phenomenology club, you know. What kind of mental affirmation arises from this sentiment? The apple is this color. We say this statement with confidence, you know. This object is this thing. And this thing that I have ascribed to this object is a category that I've created to describe another thing, you know. And just the, the very, this, these kinds of affirmations, I've brought this up before, but I'll say it again because I think that it's really a fun thing to dwell on. Especially while we all have time to sit around and think as we scrub the fucking floors. I think that when you think about um, a statement like the apple is red versus the apple appears red, which in my opinion is a much more accurate statement because we don't know if the apple really is red, right? We say it. Why, why do these two statements carry such different weights, you know? The apple is red versus the apple appears red. If you say the apple appears red, people think that there's something wrong with you. They're like, why are you saying that? Or were you just previously blind or something? Isn't that crazy? Literally just flipping out one fucking word changes everything. My whole life has just been changed dramatically. Imagine if our entire system of language was something that prioritized this kind of thinking you know the apple looks red to me not the apple is red because perhaps the apple is red but i don't really know but i think that the apple isn't red actually because we all know that objects don't really possess colors right they possess a thing a certain set of conditions that are reflected back to our eyes and color is a thing that we experience and that humans experience in a much different way than you know all other species isn't that nuts isn't that crazy guys and this is part of my skepticism too with psychology and psychiatry and also the public's 
interpretation of what kinds of ideas that these institutions feed to us you know think about the subconscious versus the conscious mind you know this is a distinction that has bothered me deeply for a while now this idea that there's your conscious mind and there is your subconscious mind and yet people don't really have any sort of good explanation for where one ends and one begins you know what is your subconscious mind versus your conscious mind i just picked up a pen and i put it down was i conscious of that i didn't say to myself i am picking up this pen i'm going to put this pen down you know and it's like, yeah, of course, I was conscious of picking up the pen. A lot of people would probably not argue with that statement. But what is my subconscious mind? What was my subconscious mind doing in that section, in that in that moment? Was my subconscious mind thinking about, you know, when my dad used to fucking tell me I was ugly? He didn't do that. You know what I mean? I'm just rambling. Anyway, let me read some of these comments. I've been going on for a minute. <coughs> Sarah Andrews says, I think people maybe confuse self-awareness and inner dialogue for God and prayer is just a way of talking to yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that this, this kind of thing, too, is what leads us to make assumptions, because that is what we're doing, about things like uh, the conscious mind and what exactly it constitutes, because it's undoubtedly true. And neuroscience is very in uh, interested in investigating this. It's very true that what you are intentionally focused on is a thing that has structural components. Like scientists, look it up. The language is so difficult. But if any of you are like really into uh, these things, perhaps studying it at school, it's really interesting. Look up intentionality on PubMed. There's amazing research coming out right now where neuroscientists are investigating the structural properties of focusing your awareness on an object and ideas like, you know, how do we move our intentionality around a room, you know? I think that there is absolutely something to the idea that what you are immediately focused on possesses some quality different from, you know, all of the other things your body may be peripherally aware of in a moment. Ideas about things like recallable memory, you know. Can we sort of rewind our brain like it was some fucking tape and go back and listen to what someone says? It feels like I can. Because aren't you guys ever just focused on a thing? Someone says something in the background and you're not really paying attention. And then you kind of almost play it back in your head like a tape. Like, what did you say? The fuck? You know? crazy shit um in my opinion this is mark in my opinion prayer can amplify intention and focus of intention it can calm the mind like meditation and chanting can calm the mind i think many people pray to god but only because the prayer is written like that maybe they don't actually think they are talking to a man in the sky i am not religious hmm um yeah, uh, I'm definitely interested in uh, meditation, learning more about it. I've been doing yoga, which, uh, you know, I've always, I always, and I'll continue to make fun of hippies. Uh, yoga is a thing that I feel like is very popular with people that are also into astrology and all this other dumb shit that I hate. Uh, but I have to say that I think yoga is super interesting 
the language of it, at least what I've been exposed to, you know, this idea of focusing your awareness on different parts of your bodies, there really is a pronounced mental effect that comes from these practices, you know, and I'm definitely finding that they are soothing and relax bleh, relaxing. I'm not sure that I'm actually meditating because I'm not sure exactly what constitutes meditation, but it is really interesting uh, the phenomena of focusing on a bodily experience it's it's uh something that i definitely want to explore more um i'm a big believer in the idea that things like spirituality the way that we describe them i think a lot of it is so um ahead of itself you know I've always been interested in this idea that I think eventually, and I think it's already beginning to happen, there will be things that uh, are more secular that resemble spiritual practices. It's already happening with thing like, things like binaural beats, which is really uh, silly and stupid and pseudoscientific, you know, and a lot of these things are pseudoscientific, but it's interesting that we're moving in that direction at all, where at least they're becoming pseudoscientific. I feel like spirituality and religion has always been a thing that people really wanted to keep separate from uh, science, you know, because science scoffs at all these things. So it's interesting seeing more and more kind of uh, therapies that purport to be scientific come forth as these uh, things that people people venerate and practice. 528 hertz restructured water. <laughs> Look this up on YouTube. It's hilarious. People, they have this, it's it's totally anti-scientific. It doesn't make any sense. But it's interesting that people use science to promote these kinds of ideas. They're, they're clearly signaling that they have an interest and a trust in uh, a confidence in science itself. So even though they're doing science terribly and totally fucking stupidly and wrong it's interesting seeing these kind of spiritual practices come out of science or try to i think in the future perhaps this will become more and more pronounced and perhaps we'll see more therapies emerge that resemble things that we call spirituality in our current day you know we're in the future maybe they'll have complete scientific backing because i know things like meditation have uh, been investigated by neuroscientists and stuff. And apparently, if I'm not mistaken, um, they have observed uh, some things like, you know, uh, interesting interesting uh, brain scans from these kinds of things. Someone in a meditative state and shit. What kinds of effects it could have on your heart rate, this and that. So I'm sure, yeah, uh, there's therapeutic advantages to so many of these things. Um, hmm. <laughs> you guys are talking about OCD. Ramona said you're you're like that with the gas stove. Legal level C. Oh, I can't read. Says, but is that really OCD or is that just good protocol? <laughs> well, I think that's one of the dangers of OCD. <laughs> Or not the danger of, but the difficulty in dealing with OCD is that, especially, you know, a thing like coronavirus, we're disinfecting nonstop and running ourselves into the ground from exhaustion, from fucking disinfecting and worrying about whether or not there's fucking 
germs on the pizza box. I just ordered my first takeout of today, the pizza. And I think that that's partially because I'm just so exhausted of not eating pizza. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm from Jersey. I need fucking pizza. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it's like, th- do I have to go to this extent? We all know we should be uh, disinfecting or shit. But it's like, do I really have to run myself into the ground every time I do this thing? I don't fucking know. <clears throat> Sarah Andrews, my old roommate said that if she stops an OCD habit in one area, that a new habit arises in another. That's interesting, Sarah. Uh, because even thinking about myself, like when I was a young little Christian, scared of flipping off God, saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, for 10 hours in my fucking head all day, I think that I still do something kind of similar, but now I'll just like loop one word. Like, the last word I said in that sentence was word. My In my head, I'll just kind of be like, word, 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 word. <laughs> like, there, also, there always has to be some kind of thing happening in my head. Like this. So, shit. Maybe it's been a good thing for myself, you know. I'm someone that likes to uh, get really meticulous with ideas and words. So, perhaps this has benefited me. I don't know. Some people like to tell me I'm smart. I think I'm an idiot, but maybe it's helped me come to a point where uh, at least some people think I'm smart. I don't know. <clears throat> Ramona, having good protocol is irrelevant if you're miserable. Well, I wouldn't say that's entirely true, Ramona, because if you're miserable, at least you're still alive, you know. So having if having good protocol is the thing that keeps you alive, even if it also makes you miserable, maybe it's not sustainable in the long run. But I've been trying to tell myself like, okay, you can relax a little bit because you're fucking ridiculous with this shit. But you have to stay vigilant because this really could be a matter of life and death. You know, I'm not ready to cast all caution to the wind, especially since it's like, yeah, they're saying that this could go on for like up to 18 months or something. But it's like, well, what is 18 months in the scheme of everything, you know? I'm trying to survive this shit. I'm not trying to die from no goddamn virus. Those motherfuckers, I'll step on you, bitch. They're so tiny. Fuck them. Anyway, uh, I'm going to get off of here. I've been going on for a long time. I don't even know if I've said anything of value, but I'm just really glad to be here with all of you. Because uh, that's, that's nice and fun. Um, oh, yeah, I just ordered a webcam, by the way. The one that I had wasn't really working well um, and in shitty quality. So I just ordered a nicer webcam. Uh, I'm hoping to actually move these to Twitch because if I'm not mistaken, there's something where you can stream on Twitch and also to YouTube. And I've heard that on Twitch, you know, there's uh, uh, a lot of people that are into this sort of a thing, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I might feel more comfortable doing it on Twitch because it seems a little more obscure. You got to go a little deeper to get to me. And then I'll just, uh, I guess it also streams live to YouTube. I don't know. I'll set it all up when I get the camera. But I know that people like interacting with the video image as well. So look out for that. Um, Anyway, you guys have any thoughts? You want to say anything to my fucking face while we're still in here? Fuck it. Pray about it. Talk about it. Ramona, I'm not that attached to living, so I think about that stuff more. Ramona, shut up, bitch. If you die, who will be our dungeon master? Hmm? Hmm? Hmm?
You really don't care about us, huh? Huh? Spady says, yes, do it. You're streaming on Twitch, too. Drop your link, Spady. I'm trying to see you on Twitch. I'll add ya. I'll add ya. Uh, yeah. I, Twitch seems like a fun interface. I'm down to interact with weird weirdos. With weirdos. Uh... I think that they also have uh, better templates for doing things like chat overlays and stuff, you know, because I read these comments out loud, but maybe it'd be better if, like, you could see it over it. There is some option to do a YouTube chat overlay in OBS, which I tried once, and it just looked like shit, and I was not feeling like uh, figuring that out at the moment, making it look cuter. Um, so, fuck it. Ooh, I have a question. Do I believe in manifesting reality, says Sarah Andrews. Um, I would have to ask Sarah exactly what you mean by that, because do I believe in manifesting reality in a certain sense? Yes, because I believe that reality, as I experience it, is only manifest from myself, right? But if you're asking what I think you're probably asking, because a lot of people seem invested in this idea that I can alter reality with myself in some sort of intentionally guided process uh i i don't really think so in any way but beyond what's obvious you know if my if what i want to manifest is that i become a shredded motherfucking god like jillian michaels then i think that i could manifest that reality by shredding every day with jillian michaels eventually you know but I don't believe in like just being able to magically focus on something and that thing happening or something if that's what you're asking no I don't believe that I have a friend actually that uh, is convinced he lowered his hairline by focusing on it <laughs> and I wish that he had documented this process because he's someone that's very skeptical. He's not a religious, spiritual person at all. He's not into any of this hocus pocus. But he swears that he lowered his hairline by focusing on it. <laughs> I'm going to ask him if he has some before and after pictures. Because I didn't know him when his hairline was higher. <laughs> so I don't know. But I think that's hilarious. Elizabeth says, do a podcast on manifesting. Yeah, perhaps. My web camera should be here within the week. Um, I'm, I'm excited to move over to Twitch. I don't know how many of you use Twitch, but I'll make sure that I link all that, whatever. Um, anyway, please give me a thumbs up. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Um, I'm excited to get my web camera and perhaps start doing this on Twitch. Um, I know that some of you use that, but if I do do that, it will also still be uploaded to the YouTube and, uh, you know, audio versions to Spotify when appropriate. Yeah, give me a thumbs up, please. It helps. Uh, and join the Patreon if you haven't. It's only $1. I also make exceptions for people who don't have credit cards or debit cards or are just otherwise broke. Um, especially students. So if you are interested, um, hopefully you can pay the dollar because this is uh, appreciated. But um, yeah, we're in the Discord every day. We exercise every day, multiple times a day. I'm getting exhausted from all the shredding. And what else do we do? We have book club, 
Oh, I have to upload the reading right now, actually, because we are meeting Sunday to discuss Husserl, an excerpt from Logical Investigations. Finally, we're getting into some phenomenology. Our next book club will be Heidegger. We're also starting Blender classes tomorrow, led by our club member Samuel, who is amazing at Blender. So we'll be starting that tomorrow evening, a Blender class. We've done a little bit of uh, piano lessons, though we haven't really continued with that. But I'd like to pick that up again, too. We've talked about Spanish lessons. We got a lot going on. So hop on in. Come hang out with us. Um, and I hope you all have a good night. Stay safe and don't disinfect yourself into exhaustion. Do what is reasonable. Um, so, yeah. See y'all later.